Good day, HCI learners. Welcome to another episode of Nine to Thrive HR, a podcast that covers the most pressing issues facing talent management today, and a podcast that allows you to hear from experts in the field of HR. I'm Holly Pennebaker. I'll be your host for today. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome HCI's Bill Crabe. Bill has worked with dozens of HCI clients to bring Human Capital Institute certifications and learning programs to others. You might recognize Bill from a variety of industry conferences where he's been a frequent MC, moderator, and keynote speaker. Welcome, Bill. How about telling our listeners a little more about yourself? Sure, Holly. Thanks. Um, well, I've been with the Human Capital Institute now for about 12 years. Um, so I came to HCI in 2005, and since then I've worn a variety of different hats at the Human Capital Institute. Um, my main role today is uh, in teaching our classes. I'm a senior member of HCI's faculty, and so I teach our certification on strategic workforce planning, along with a number of other classes. I also emcee our conferences and have been doing so for the last couple of years and really enjoy that. Uh, so I do a variety of different things for HCI. Uh, before that, I was with a company called Ayers, which is in the recruitment training space and was a co-founder of that company. Um, and uh, before that, I wasn't in HR at all. I was a broadcast journalism major at Syracuse quite a long time ago. I worked in journalism for about 10 years before I found my way into the world of talent management. So that's a bit of my background, and I'm uh, looking forward to today's podcast. Today's podcast is all about the continuous process of workforce planning and how to embed workforce planning into a quickly changeable planning strategy. Organizations today must make more quick planning happen, incorporating real-time planning too. Bill has in store for us ideas and strategies for better aligning strategic planning across the entire planning process. So Bill, you're telling us that workforce planning isn't a one-and-done process? Why not? Well, it's a good question. I think one of the things that people think sometimes when they think about workforce planning is that it is going to produce a document. You know, It has a big word on it that says workforce planning, and this is now your workforce plan. The problem with that, like any plan, is that it is entirely based on your own strategy, and your own strategy certainly may be a good one. Uh, many organizations have very good business plans and business strategies, but if they don't adapt to what's happening in the external environment, then they become useless or even worse, they become uh, debilitating to the organization. So strategic workforce planning is very much an ongoing process by which we think about what's happening in the external world and then line that up to the things that we're trying to do from an internal perspective. And one key question, for instance, is if we have uh, the idea of a certain number of jobs or roles within the organization being particularly important to us today, what do these things that are happening in the external environment mean to those roles? Does it mean that we'll have more availability of talent or less? Does it mean those roles will have to have certain skills or different skills? And so the answer to those questions is very much an iterative process, and it's something that's always happening, uh, not something that's ever wanted done. Right. And in a world that changes as rapidly as this one seems to, does it even make sense to try to execute workforce planning? You know, every year at our Strategic Workforce Planning Conference, I listen to presentations that are talking about big tectonic shifts happening in the environment. And I think to myself, why even bother? You know, if in a world that's as hard to predict as this one, and I don't think any of us have to think very hard about 
examples of unpredictability in our daily lives, does it make sense to try to think about what's happening three to five years out, for instance, which is sort of the time window that we think about strategic workforce planning? And I think the answer to that question is maybe not, but we don't have any better alternative. Uh, so if we are just going to wait around and see what happens, then we're really not doing much in the way of any kind of planning. And even though it certainly is true that the future has many different uh, futures in, in store for us, we can try to prepare for as many of them as we can and see around corners in a way that allows us to uh, prepare in advance for the thing that's going to jump out and bite us. So in many respects, strategic workforce planning is first and foremost about risk mitigation. And we can think about where our risks are. We may not have all the answers, but at least we can begin to think about the questions. Great point about being able to mitigate risks as well. So what are the key things workforce planners should look for in making sure that their workforce planning efforts remain on track? Well, I think the biggest thing, Holly, is this ability to think about perceiving environmental change. Uh, We need to be able to understand what's happening in the external environment. So um, it doesn't take any longer than this weekend's uh, events in the weather to say to ourselves, wow, there could be big shifts in the way that our strategy is unfolding. And so environment scanning is very much looking at a series of different kinds of um, events. Some of them are political. There's certainly political strife happening in a variety of different parts of the world today. We need to keep an eye on those things and understand how they may impact our business strategy. Certainly economic cycles have a big role to play in understanding what we're trying to do from a strategic perspective. So is our the business demand likely to increase over the course of the next two, three, four years? Or is there a, an impending uh, economic downturn on the horizon? Um, Social issues matter a lot. Uh, I think sometimes uh, this is going back a number of years now to when my nephew was a high school kid. And I recall that he was uh, texting his friends all the time. And his uh, dad, my brother, and I started to look at him and go, what's he doing? You know, how can there possibly be that many things that you need to say to the person that's uh, right across town? And I think we thought at the time that that was just sort of a fad. Today, of course, we all do it. And so as you think about Social changes. Social changes will bring around uh, different kinds of interpretations of what's likely to happen and what's not. Again, uh, an example some people use is, could we imagine 10 years ago ever saying, yeah, I'm going to get in the back of a stranger's car and ride to the airport? Well, of course not. But today, it's something that lots and lots of us do. So as different things happen in the environment, they create changes that happen to the organization, and we need to be able to see them in a variety of different ways. Um, and and all the different forms that they come in. And then ask ourselves a central question, which is we anticipate that this role is more important to us than most of the other roles in the organization. How does this change potentially impact our ability to recruit, our ability to develop, our ability to deploy people in this role in a way that allow us to execute strategy? And so when we think about everything happening outside of the organization, can you recommend strategies for staying on top of the external environment? Yeah, I think, well, the easiest one to think about is probably the Wall Street Journal. Um, I'm not in the business of selling newspaper subscriptions, but the Wall Street Journal is a particularly business-focused publication. It allows us to think about what's happening in the world so you can cover everything from the weather. Uh, Certainly the headlines of the Wall Street Journal today are looking at the hurricane coverage but it also allows us to look at the political things that are happening around the world, um, 
new technology that's coming out, social shifts of the kind that we talked about. And so I would start with a good scan of the headlines, and I would try to devote, if you can, an hour once a week to looking through what the Wall Street Journal can tell us or any other paper. So if you prefer your local newspaper, great, as long as they have good uh, coverage of both uh, the local events as well as uh, global events. But at least one hour once a week to say to yourself, what's happening in the external world? And then track that set of trends. You know, Maybe you highlight them, uh, bring out a highlighter and highlight a few key elements of the newspaper. And when you do it again the next week, say to yourself, what happened with this trend? Has this trend itself changed in the last week or two weeks or three weeks? And I think what you'll find is that some of the trends begin to become more and more clear are going to have an impact on your organization. And then the question that then becomes, and we'll talk more about this, uh, is what to do about that and how do we embed that into action plans. Beyond headlines, though, I would also advocate for a much broader sense of uh, interacting with people than we currently have. So I think it's true that most people that are working in workforce planning are part of the HR department or part of uh, uh, the overall talent team in some way. And the fact is that in many organizations, those folks don't get to talk to actual customers very often. But customers have a really good perspective as to what's happening inside your company. They know what's good about your company. They also know what they'd like to have changed. And oftentimes, those things can be really good clues as to where there are going to be changes to your strategy that need to be mitigated or need to be at least um, addressed. Beyond that, I would also think about uh, partners. Are there industry partners that you work with in a variety of different ways? Again, their perspective on your organization is probably somewhat different than yours. Uh, are there regulators uh, you know, that regulate your industry uh, that you could talk with and understand what their perspective on your company is? So there are all kinds of different approaches, but I think one of the key things that really separates uh, organizations that are good at staying on top of the internal external environment versus others is this what idea of uh, what I think of as sensing. Um, so a while back, and I'll recommend a book uh, to folks here, uh, some folks at the University of Southern California, Ed Lawler and Chris Worley, wrote a book called The Agility Factor. It came out about three years ago now. But in The Agility Factor, they did some research that looked over a long period of time at a bunch of companies, and they binned those companies into three different buckets. One group of companies over a long period of time had consistently outperformed their competitors. Another group of companies had consistently underperformed but stayed in business over that period of time. And then there were some companies that were thrashers that did well for a while and not so well for a while. And the companies that really did well consistently over a long period of time ended up doing four things that other organizations hadn't done. Uh, the first of them was that they made strategy very dynamically, so they were able to come up with new strategies as new things happen in the environment. Second, and related to that, they were really good at perceiving environmental change, so seeing things that were happening and reacting to them. Third is that they were willing to test responses, so they tried out new things and failed fast and had a, had a culture in which that was acceptable. And then fourth, they were really good at implementing change. But if you think about that list, and by the way, again, the book is called The Agility Factor. I'd recommend it. The, the thing that's true about all of those things is that they have a, in common an ability to really see what's happening out there and to tell stories within their organization about what the external world can tell them. All right. Thanks, Bill. And so assuming that something does change in the environment, what does the process for modifying your workforce plan look like in practice? Sure. 
Well, I'd like to come back to something I said at the very beginning, Ali, which is that it is a misconception to think about workforce planning as being something that is going to produce a document. You know, it's not about a one and done, okay, we made this plan and it's 35 pages and now it's going to go sit in the the, uh, conference room somewhere. Workforce planning is very much an iterative process already. Now, the good news is there are lots of other strategic planning processes that are already happening in your organization. Uh, Almost any business is doing some level of strategic planning on an ongoing basis. I think the key is how organizations and how HR can help to facilitate a different kind of discussion during those strategic planning meetings. And that discussion involves talent. It involves what does it mean from a most strategic roles perspective. Again, I would submit that about 10% maybe of the roles in any organization are the ones that are really where the strategy is going to succeed or fail. Within those roles that are most important, what's happening out there in the external world that can impact our ability, again, to recruit, to develop, to deploy appropriately, to bring on contractors to fill gaps, what's happening out there. And if we can provide that perspective within HR to the business strategy focus that's already happening on a regular basis, then I think we can be really successful in being able to help organizational leaders understand what role talent plays for them. And that's the role that a lot of organizations are trying to get to. I think that the the realization that business has to be involved in the idea of strategic workforce planning has now come around um, to most people that are working in that space. It doesn't work if you're doing it in a vacuum in the HR department. What has to happen is that workforce planning becomes embedded in the regular strategic planning process that's already happening in the organization. And this is not uncommon, by the way. Uh, So IT, uh, when we decide to go in a particular new direction in business, IT oftentimes will have a perspective on what needs to happen from a technology perspective. Certainly finance partners play a regular role in helping business leaders think about how to finance their strategies and where the financial implications are going to be. Similarly, the idea of strategic workforce planning is really about HR helping to provide a perspective on what the talent implications of what we're trying to do from a business strategy is. And so I think one of the things that we're trying to do is figure out ways to look at a series of metrics. And the metrics are different than traditional HR metrics. They're not things like cost per hire or time to fill. They are really more focused on uh, key gaps, um, capability gaps and capacity gaps in the strategic roles that we're looking for. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. We'll go ahead and end on that note for today. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Happy to do it anytime. And of course, we thank our listeners for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed spending part of your day with us. If you're listening on iTunes, please be sure to give us a rating. It helps other like-minded people discover the program. Also, please take just a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you found it helpful. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. For 9 to Thrive and all of us here at HCI, have a great day.